Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, April 21st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, we visit Missouri. We catch up with new defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. Three years ago, Wilkes reached the top of the football coaching profession when he was named the Arizona Cardinals head coach. But that lasted only one year. After sitting out the 2020 season to recharge, Wilkes landed at Missouri. He spoke to me about his career path and the connections that brought him to Columbia. After a break, you'll hear from Tigers Athletic Director Jim Sturrock on the topic of name, image, and likeness. There are several plans in the works, including federal legislation sponsored by Missouri Congressman Emanuel Cleaver and another sponsored by Kansas Senator Jerry Moran. Also, states have started down the road of their own name, image, and likeness legislation. Nine states, including Kansas, have proposed legislation that impacts the schools in their states. We spoke to Sturk generally about how new name, image, and likeness rules will impact college sports. Let's get started with Missouri Defensive Coordinator Steve Wilkes. Settling in, you know, you've done it so many times during your career, packed up and moved and gone to the next place, but, but this is the first time maybe coming off of a year in which you didn't coach. So um, how about the, the year off, what that did for you in terms of recharging batteries and, uh, and, and, and maybe getting settled into Columbia, how, the, how that's been going? Well, I think that's exactly what, uh, what I did, Blair, was like recharge the battery, really try to figure out exactly what I wanted to do from a career standpoint. Uh, I was looking for a little bit of longevity, consistency. You know, when you look at really 17, uh, moving up as a coordinator in Carolina, uh, even though I was in the same place, it's a new job. So you're taking on new responsibility. Uh, so it's, it's a whole new year. And then uh, go from there to Arizona. One year there, you go to Cleveland. One year there, and it's like, whoa, okay. Uh, let me figure out exactly what uh, what I want to do next. So taking the year off was great, um, and then trying to figure out exactly uh, the next path. And uh, I'm excited about being here. Um, you know, college was wasn't on the forefront, but I was definitely looking for the best opportunity. And coming back to college wasn't just the thing that I wanted to do. It was really trying to find the right fit. Uh, being around the right people. Uh, so coming back uh, to Mizzou wasn't just a mere fact that coming back to college, I felt like this was the right fit for me and my family. And when you look at what Coach Drink has put in place, number one, what he stands for, his values, uh, we're right in line with one another. The importance of really trying to develop these young men, not only on the field, but off the field is, is important to me as it is to him. And then the, uh, the coaching staff that he had in place, a lot of the individuals that I uh, knew over the years, had a close relationship with, and all that is important to me. And uh, the transition coming here has been great. Um, you know, uh, just been really trying to saturate myself in with football and getting to know the players and trying to implement the scheme. So uh, it's been good. He said that your paths first crossed when he became the coach at Appalachian State. Do you remember the, the first time you talked to him or, or, or met him or just what was that encounter like? Well, you know, being right there in, in, in Charlotte, from Charlotte, and I was working with the Panthers. I have a strong connection and a relationship with uh, App State football uh, and very supportive of of you know, the head coaches that are there. So a lot of guys that I played with uh, started reaching out to me and saying that, um, you know, the new coach is great, wanted to talk to you. And uh, so he and I connected 
and uh, just basically just hit it off. And I would always just stay in contact with him via text, just, you know, congratulating him on wins or whatnot. And our relationship started growing from there. Coach Harbison, who I've known for years, and he was just recently with me in uh, Arizona, was on his staff. And then when um, the opportunity came, he reached out to me and, you know, that conversation started. He had a heck of a year. That one year as the the Appalachian State coach, uh, beating North and South Carolina both. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, deep down, as an Appalachian State guy, if he took some satisfaction in the in the year that he had and winning the Sun Belt and just having the the success that he had, even if, even though it was just one year in Boone. Uh, of course, you know, uh, anytime we can have success on the rock, you know, it, it's important to all the uh, former players, and we constantly stay in contact with one another. Beating South Carolina and North Carolina was huge for us. It just shows you where the program uh, was and is, you know, uh, and it's just continuing to grow. So I was happy for him uh, and then happy for the program as a whole and, and smart enough to understand and know that this is part of the uh, profession. Would love for him to have stayed, but, you know, with success comes the opportunity. It occurs to me that you made so many good moves throughout your career to get to the pinnacle, right? I mean, to become an NFL head coach. Every step along the way was, you know, was building toward that. And, and then for it to end the way that it did, the abrupt way that it did, I'm wondering, did, did you have to set aside feelings about, you know, about the coaching profession and, and just put your head down and move forward? Or was there some just some bitterness at all about the way it ended in Arizona? I think, uh, Blair, what you initially said is the approach you have to take. I mean, you have to just put your head down and continue to grind. And I, I think one thing that you have to do, you have to control your own narrative and not listen to what's being said because you became a head coach because you were a good coach in, in the body of work that you had put in place before. I tell people I just didn't succeed in the time frame that I was given. Uh, I don't consider myself as a failure as a head coach. I just did not meet the expectations of the time frame. So it was back to work for me. And like you said, just putting your head down and grinding. Uh, I have nothing but great things to say about uh, the Cardinals organization of Michael Bidwell because he gave me an opportunity that 31 other teams didn't. I told him at the time, and I still say I do wish I had more time to fulfill the obligation. Uh, but I'm happy where I am now, and hopefully that uh, we can have great success here. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm banking on and, and expecting, and that's the reason why I came here. Well, I got to say, I, I cover the Chiefs as well. When I was there at Arrowhead, when you brought your team in, and up until that afternoon, Patrick Mahomes was kind of having his way with everybody in the NFL until that day. And you guys did as good a job on him and that offense as, uh, as anybody did that year. Can I get you to relive that moment, uh, that, that game? Uh, 26-14 was the final, and Mahomes was less than 250 in the air that day, threw a couple of touchdowns to Tyreek Hill. But but Chandler Jones, I remember, was, was really, really good that day. And the entire defense was... Uh, was excellent. Uh, what do you remember about that afternoon? Uh, played a very uh, competitive football game. I've said this for years, college pro, it doesn't matter. The game comes down to really about four or five plays. And I can recall one, as well as we played, we gave you know up a big play with Tyreek. 
down the middle of the field in the red zone. You know, we busted the coverage there. And when you look back at certain things, you can't beat yourself. Uh, That's one of the things I've always talked about as a defense. We have to play smart. We have to understand situational football. And understanding situational football is understanding where the marquee players are aligned within the formation. So with with that guy, you better know where he's aligned every single time, whether he's at three, two, or one. And uh, that's the one uh, play that uh, I remember because I felt like that was a turning point in the game. We played well. Uh, we played them tough. And uh, I wish we could have had the opportunity to win it. Let's Chandler Jones did play well. Yeah, I always liked that guy. I mean, just just a beast of a player, too. And, uh, and, and, and a great person, too. Just, just, a, just a solid human being. Yeah. So with Mizzou, they had their some issues last year on deep. Had a couple of games where, uh, look, they ended up winning, but they were total shootouts and lost a couple that were not much of a shootout. You're taking over a unit that, that looks to improve. And I'm just wondering your first, your early impressions and having gone through spring practice, do you like what you see? Is is there, uh, what's the potential? What's the upside for this Missouri defense? I think we have a lot of upside. I think it's about really trying to, you know, lay a foundation with which we have definitely started. Uh, I thought spring uh, went well. You could see the uh, players. Uh, you can see guys really buying into the scheme. Uh, my approach has always been, uh, you know, across the board as, as coaches being great communicators. And we're in this generation of, of right now is, is communicating what and the why. And I want players to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. So they have a comprehension uh, of what they should be doing within the call and within the defense. And uh, I pride myself in being a great teacher. You know, I, I think we, we don't get enough credit as coaches in regards to that. It's sometimes it's like a ball cap and a whistle and it's way beyond that. And I, I think what we have to understand, everybody can't have a five-star player. Everybody can't have a first-round draft pick. So you have to be in, in, the, in the business of understanding you have to develop players. You have to develop players. And uh, I've always prided myself on that my years in Carolina and getting guys that may have not been high-priority guys. Sometimes they were free agents, but we got them to play at a high level and we won a lot of football games. So that's my approach in, in trying to get these guys to the next level. So I've seen the development and growth throughout the uh, the spring, and we continue to build on that as we go through April. You know, having spent all, all the time in the NFL that you did and now, and now that you're back in the college game, is there something refreshing about seeing, you know, maybe coaching 19, 20-year-olds versus, you know, men who have signed their first contracts and second contracts and are millionaires, basically? You, you know what? My approach, Blair, has always been the same. I think, you know, regardless of whether it's the NFL or college, the great ones want to be coached. You know, players want to be coached. They want to be held accountable and they they want you to be able to pay attention to the details and show that consistency with them. So uh, I haven't changed that approach. I, I believe in telling players what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. I believe in being consistent and, and, and holding that accountability with myself first, as well as holding them accountable. And I think when they see your level of commitment and how you go about doing your work each and every day, that's how you build the trust within them. So uh, that's been my approach. I would say this on a personal level, when you look at 17 coordinator, no position, head coach in 18, all right, 19 coordinator, no position. And then I come and sit out 20. So I am like a kid in a candy store right now, just coaching and running the meetings and just, you know, working things on the field. Cause I always felt like that I had an influence when I can just really get my hands on guys and really mold them each and every day. And that's what I'm doing now. 
Let's circle back really quick, just to the beginning. I, I I love the story that I heard you tell once. You, you finish at App State, played on good teams. They hadn't quite gotten to that uh, FCS championship level yet, but you were part of that building process. Of Sparky Woods recruited you, but it was uh, you, you finished with Jerry Jerry Moore's uh, teams. Yes. So you you leave Appalachian State, but you don't go into coaching right away. That doesn't start uh, immediately for you, does it? No, no. I, uh, you know, you know, I came out of Appalachian and I went to uh, Seattle as a free agent. Didn't make it there. I uh, came back and I played uh, arena ball, and uh, that's when I uh, met Coach Harbison. You know, he coached me there, and then uh, I got into um, to banking. One of the close friends of mine, Chuck Bettingfield, who was uh, a supporter there to the uh, University of Appalachian, uh, helped me get into banking. I worked for him during the summer. And I started the uh, management program there and went back to Charlotte, went back uh, to pretty much my community. I was a branch manager there. And that's what I was going to be. I was going to be a banker, suit and tie every day. And, and I woke up one morning, I went and I was like, man, I'm really missing football. And I called uh, another mentor of mine, Ruffin McNeil, who coached me at Appalachian. Uh, Ruffin now is at NC State. He was a head coach at uh, East Carolina. And he was about to bring me back up to uh, Appalachian as a GA. And then he said, let me let me talk to my cousin, Daryl McNeil, who's here to get the job at Johnson C. Smith. And he called him and uh, Daryl hired, hired me as the uh, defensive coordinator. To be honest, you know, I was going there as a DB coach. I tell the story all the time. And, you know, Division II, uh, not a lot of money. Uh, you know, we we're lying in the field, washing the clothes. And we did all that. And he was in the process of trying to hire a coordinator and really couldn't afford him and walked in my office one day and said, you coordinate the defense. <laughs> so I started out as a defensive coordinator and uh, just grew from there. But it got you eventually a head coaching job. At, uh, at uh, it, 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 it did. It did. And, 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 I, and I tell people all the time, man, you could see the skyline of Charlotte. And um, you could see at that time it was Erickson Stadium. And I remember telling one of my uh, close buddies, colleague of mine, Stephen Acock, I said, man, I'm going to work over there one day. Charlotte was the banking capital, you know, uh, Nations Bank, Bank of America. It changed names over the years. And uh, Wells Fargo was, was uh, Wachovia First Union. But anyhow, he said, what are you talking about, uh, Bank of America? And I said, no, man, I'm talking about with the Panthers. You know, fast forward 2012, you know, I was very fortunate and um, surreal to have the opportunity to come back and, and work for my uh, home team. So uh, that was uh, very, you know, glorifying. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Welcome back to Sportsbeat KC. Here's my conversation with Mizzou Athletic Director Jim Sturk about name, image, and likeness. As we said earlier, 
there are plenty of plans out there, and we're not sure if it ultimately will be guided at the state or national level, but it is going to happen, and there are implications for college sports. Here's Jim Sterk. Yeah, absolutely. I think in the next three or four months, um, maybe it'll take six months, but it, it, by this summer, it, I think you'll see a change, a dramatic change where that goes. I, you know, I'm not sure there's a, there's a number of, of bills being sponsored and obviously each of the, each of the states have a different idea of where it should go. And then the membership of the NCAA is all over the board as well. So what I can tell you, it's probably going to be a little bit of chaos this summer as far as when this all comes down. And then what is the what is the reaction or ability for the NCAA to to coalesce uh, ideas and and come together as far as a membership of what we want to to have going forward with with the guardrails that are put in either by by Congress and then uh, the Supreme Court taking up the Alston case is kind of a, a part of that. But really, Congress will will take precedent, if you will, of of what what can be done. I heard I was on a, a Zoom call with our athletic director associations and and Senator Moran has has a bill and he. He was asked the question of, you know, what are the chances of this getting done by July 1st when some of the states start to have a impact? And basically it was slim to none. And so that means that there could be a lot of different, so a lot of different rules out there. And how do you go ahead with our membership and, and try to make something work nationally? I think that's going to be the challenge. Do you have a, a thought on how it should be shaped and implemented? You know, your thought, what would work best for an SEC school might not work best for a Conference USA school. Um, but do you have a, a thought on, on the, the best way to implement this? No, a lot more smarter people than I are working on this thing. But, you know, I, I think there, there does need to be guardrails. There needs to be um, ways so that we can make progress, but not uh, at the expense of of all the Olympic sports disappearing and in, in intercollegiate athletics and and having a negative impact on those. And so, so I think it's it's trying to find the fine line of of allowing some things that general students can do as far as with their name, image, and likeness or on social media. And uh, there's been a lot of discussion for the past couple of years on it, but uh, I, I don't think there's any one one bill that I see or one um, one way to do it. I think it'll be a combination of a lot of things coming together and, and trying to, to get a consensus on something that can work for everyone. What do you anticipate the, the financial impact of this on, on Missouri? I have no idea. And and really, it, it won't be the institution per se. You know, I, I think it'll need to be, well, some of the bills would have revenue sharing and, uh, you know, a student athlete's bill of rights and, you know, those kinds of things. But I think uh, I do not see that, that institutions will employ student athletes. I, I think the name, image and likeness will be in a atmosphere outside of, of the institution per se, with us kind of guiding student athletes on how, how to navigate. And, and we currently have some, we have a Open Doors is the company that we, we utilize and we're having them evaluate their, our student athletes, if, if they want to evaluate their, their social media accounts. And for us, it's really, it's positive because they're looking at, and, and we're encouraging it because when they graduate, they're going to have to be hired. And so what is your social media account? When someone Googles you, what, what is going to pop up on that baby? And so we're, we're trying to be proactive that way and really educate our student athletes on how, how to succeed 
not only while they're here, but then when they graduate as well. You know, the thing I, I wonder about is um, a business in Columbia or a business, you know, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, whatever, offering a student athlete, a quarterback or a star basketball player, X number of dollars for an autograph session at the dealership or the whatever. And, you know, thinking about fair market value for something like that and advantage, you know, maybe potential loopholes in the system. I guess, are you confident that um, confident that it can be implemented in a way that'll be fair for everyone? Or are these things that we have to think about and be concerned about? I think there's a lot of those. I think the list is is many on that list of of how you could circumvent the system. Or I think that's what everyone's trying to to find out, you know, or or to think about now. And we've got a meeting actually early next week in person with with the ads and the SEC. And and so I would imagine name, image, and likeness. It could be one of the full days of of what are we going to do, <laughs> you know, and and where do we think it's going and you know, hopefully Congress can come together and, and have something that is uh, an umbrella, if you will, for the entire country so that we can maintain um, something similar throughout the, the United States. But if it doesn't, then as of July 1st, then it's every state for themselves and, and we'll see where it goes. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Links to stories about Mizzou football and name, image, and likeness can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus many more stories that appear only on the website. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And it's always a great time to subscribe. The Royals off to a hot start, even though they lost their second in a row to the Tampa Tampa Bay Rays last night. The local colleges are always making news. And of course, it's never not Chiefs season. We've got the draft coming up next week. So how do you get this? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com. We will get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.